Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but we'll showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. Hello, one and all, to the Future Tech Podcast. I am Alan Thomas, and today we have Kelly Stickle here founder and CEO of Remedista. Hello, Kelly. Hey there. Thanks for having me. Oh, good. Thanks for, thanks for coming on. So we'll jump right into it. Who is, okay. Remedista, who is Remedista and what do you guys do? So Remedista is a social think tank and we're focused on things that haven't happened in the market. We're looking at the retail and financial verticals and thinking through the disruption of what's happening in both businesses and helping our leaders out. So what inspired the creation of the company? Or were you already in the space? Or, Well, like I said, just, just give us a little bit of background on the creation of the company. Absolutely. I, I kind of grew my wings or grew up in management consulting. And I was working um, in recruiting and vendor relations and alliance partnerships and also started building educational events around mobile around 2009-10 and started to see that uh, women leaders were at conferences, but not on the stage, uh, sometimes challenged getting certain men off the stage, uh, a lot of selling, but really wondered where the education was. And so when my former CEO sold his business acuity to Accenture uh, in 2013, I, I jumped off and decided that I would see if I could build um, a business thinking about the way women buyers research buy and sell and uh, build a community uh, that would support that. So I, I set out to, to do that on my own. Awesome. So 
And let me just let me just ask because I'm sure someone in the audience is already thinking this. What does the name Remedista mean? How did it come about? Um, back at that time, um, it was retail and mobility distilled. So we knew that mobile was taking off, but that it was going to be much more than the than the play of the phone, and that it was the idea that your customer will be able to do whatever they want, whenever they want, however they want. And since that, we've sort of evolved from just retail looking at uh, finance as well, and really that that section where the transaction happens. So you wanted to make sure your name yeah. reflected it. Yeah, at the time, it just seemed like a good way to create a name, and we were you know, not sure where we were heading. That's the combination we use. Okay, great. Like I said, I'm sure someone had that question, so I figured I would ask it too. <laughs> <laughs> you're right, you're right. Everyone has that question. It's a good one, and uh, it, it is interesting, and, and I figure you can probably market and build a brand around any name. Oh, definitely, definitely. I've, I've, uh, I've seen a few doozies myself. <laughs> <laughs> so so if I'm a new client with Remedista, uh, engaging with you guys. What's the onboarding process like? Well, right now, our, our main customer are technology and service providers who are looking to do business with retail leaders. And um, the way we work with them is um, our business is a community business model, so we use purpose to attract our customers. And so we pull in our tech and service partners to do the research projects and the collaboration. And then we also engage our retail leaders to join us in helping solve the future. And uh, our purposes are to educate brands, cultivate women leaders, and connect globally. Um, We are looking to uh, expand our community platform from just retail and technology and finance to include some other verticals later in the year, and we're really launching uh, a business coaching platform. And that will allow us to scale and invite more leaders into our community. And I know you said that your main focuses are technology, retail, and finance. Is that, now was that something that, that you set out as the founder? These are the three areas we're going to start with, or was that born out of this is the expertise we have on the table? Well, in management consulting, I was lucky enough to cover all the verticals. Um, and really B2B and B2C. But when we started looking at disruption with mobility, um, number one, the people that would volunteer with me were young women, and they they tended to skew more interest towards fashion and beauty than supply chain or manufacturing. And then at the same time, um, the businesses that had the most propensity to test without being limited by regulatory issues was retail. And we actually see it was the easiest, best place to start testing disruption. And now we can see that finance and healthcare and energy, they all have direct-to-consumer-like properties where we can actually take what we've learned in retail and sort of pull it into these other verticals in more of a quickening way for them, even though they're limited by uh, regulatory issues and things like that. Okay, great. And and. I was just thinking about when you were talking about retail, I mean, because we've all been seeing there's such a huge shift there. And mm-hmm. I guess, I, and of course, the first thing that came to my mind was a Toys R Us or a Sears or a, you know, those, I, I mean, we, we know what cases to think about here. So, yep. so in terms of, I guess, and, and not, <laughs> and not to put, not to put you on the spot. My first question was, what would you tell the heads, heads of Toys R Us today? <laughs> like, what's, how do you stop that bleeding? Well, that it might be too late today to look at some of our traditional businesses um, that that are not winning, you know, that are failing. But I think when we see, um, you know, a typical thing we're seeing is retail stores close. And while it might look like it's 
the amount of inventory in retail. It is. The, the other thing is I think businesses are trying to pull cash from where they can, and you can't really go into your you know challenging, expensive e-commerce platform and pull money out of it. But you can you can go into things like your physical stores and close real estate. So I think there's a lot more going behind the scenes about what is failing. Um, but when you look at the future of retail, it's really live customer engagement, and you know the ultimate expression of that can be a store, but it can be a lot of other things like a pop-up experience or some sort of live engagement, so that um, a bunch of stores doesn't necessarily have to be that answer. And then you look at that and couple it with artificial intelligence and the internet of things, and you connect that with mobile and web, and I think you're starting to see what the future of retail is going to look like moving forward. And, and do you would you say that you get a lot of folks in the retail or even in the finance space trying to, I mean, looking to, to want to incorporate more AI into what they're doing day to day? Well, it's it's really just coming, uh, well, I think there's been forms of AI over the years, but looking at the power of quantum computing with your data is becoming more valid in all verticals. I think we're seeing some really good case studies in retail where you're able to take all of these large data sets and find patterns and in the machine learning, start making better decisions and trend predictions for the customer. And you're, you know, you're starting to see that impact a lot of different areas. And they say, I was actually just at PayPal's customer event, and uh, the CEO was saying, Dan Schulman was saying that, you know, the, the labor market, the disruption, that's the next place we'll see disruption where 60% of jobs will uh, be replaced by AI. And so the future will be about dreaming what's to come beyond that. Wow. I, I think I have heard that number as well. I didn't realize it was as high as 60, but that does that does make sense with what we're seeing now, because like you said, whole industries are just transforming basically in front of us. So yeah, and I be... think... go ahead. Oh, oh no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was I was just saying I I was I was just saying that uh, like I said I think whole industries will just change in front of us. And maybe in the future it'll be more about maintaining or creating uh, programs and applications more than more or less than, than hands-on work. Yeah, it, it is interesting. And then when you look at retail, um, you know some of our projects this year or last year were were looking at. Um, augmented reality, the internet of things, you know, what is blockchain and how is Bitcoin transacting on that? And and then you start to see that this year, artificial intelligence really became the forefront. And you realize all those things that looked innovative last year were just table stakes. So the, the pace of what's innovation and now table stakes is even going quite fast. So I think when you look at places like Remedista, where it's the community collaborating and sharing knowledge across the table with each other is allowing us to solve things quicker because the knowledge is shared. And as far as Rumadista's roadmap for the for, for the company, the next few years, at least, what does what does that look like? Well, we've done a series of forty research projects over the last five years, and working with tech and service partners. And one interesting thing is the retailer came to us and said, "We want you to find or build a community for us." One of my executives said, you know, I haven't gone to this analyst house for three years and I'd like to invest that money in a subscription to grow what you're doing. So we launched Halo, which is a platform for our retail and tech and service leaders. And inside the platform, we're working together to solve problems. So one of our growth plans is is investment in that to create our own mobile app that stands alone. 
and really allow a workflow inside that community to help uh, grow the amount of people we can be educating and helping um, in that environment. And, and is Halo going to be, uh, and I know you said Halo is the name of the community. Will that also be the name of the app itself? Yeah, and it stands for Help a Leader Out. Um, ah. And we thought, yeah, I thought that was like a clever way to, uh, we believe that trusted community is the future. And so right now we're running uh, a closed study with about 260 retail executives in there, just looking at how can the workflow happen where you build a quiet place to do business and it's a trusted environment where you can uh, go deep into a conversation or stay topical if needed. So it'll allow you to kind of dive as deep as you like and it's sort of like a neutral zone or safe zone or safe space to do that? Yeah, I think when you look at the way social media exists today, there's there's no purpose. So people do whatever they want. You can see that in LinkedIn. You can see that in Facebook. There's also some questionable level of trust nowadays on bar to entry or who else gets to come in. And so when you look at tr- trusted community, number one, there's purpose. So people will tend to answer purpose before their own good. So then you don't see cat pictures, I think is an easy way to say it in a visual way. It's, you know, the the community sort of polices itself to stay focused. And those three purposes for us is, are we educating when I do this? Or are we cultivating women leaders? Or are we connecting globally? And, you know, of those 260 execs, about a third are from Australia. So we've already started to connect globally. And that's another part of our expansion, um, which is uh, we're taking our Women to Watch program, which is uh, the women who help us with the research. Um, we've launched a program that celebrates and highlights them as thought leaders, and we are expanding that from the U.S. and Australia, and we're moving it into Europe, South America, and Canada. Okay, and I just wanted to ask a question about the Women to Watch program. Uh, I guess I wanted to hear a little bit more about how that works. Is that something that that is applied to, or 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 are you simply are you just selected and watched for a while? How does that work? So what happened was uh, we had done all those projects, and I noticed that those women leaders weren't taking the knowledge that they, you know, we're thinking through the future of business. So the ideas as we saw them are the first to market. And I noticed that still the women weren't going to the stage to speak or writing about it. They were just moving to the next project. So I, I saw that we were attracting a pioneer type leader who's solving the future, but that women weren't innately, like, it wasn't a natural reaction to then go get credit for the work they're doing. So I launched in the watch program and it's uh, it's a combination of peer and self-nomination and we have that open until October 15th each year and then uh, we we have a series of judges and then we narrow it down to 80 women that we're watching around the world and we launched that list uh, December 31st and last year in year two uh, one of the outcomes was we had over 65 keynotes and panels with these women uh, around the world and in the U.S. Wow, that, that sounds like an amazing program, especially, and you say it's only been around for a couple of years? Yeah, we're just in year three, and now, um, and we expanded immediately. Conferences from Australia came in year one and said, we'd love to see more women keynotes and speakers at our conference. Can we partner with you? And um, we're in year uh, three, and we have, uh, last year we had 10 women to watch from Australia, and this year there's 25 of our 80. So we're starting to see 
um, this real interest at a global level of empowering women. And, and really, those weren't the outcomes we were expecting. We were just hoping to cultivate and highlight these women and just help them along the way. We, we didn't know how powerful it was going to be to uh, really help these pioneer women understand that if they don't take credit for their work, somebody else will, and they'll get the promotion. So I think the outcome of that, too, is now more women are going to the stage in our program understanding what the outcome is, and now we're able to say younger women have more women to see their reflection in, which is really exciting to see. That looks like it'll be a great way to fill the pipeline, especially, like you said, for younger women coming up in their career. Yeah, you really need to see your reflection so that you know it's possible. And and so a lot of times when I'm talking with these women, if it isn't for themselves, to know that it's for another generation is equally motivating, which is, you know, a great, great way to communicate that to other leaders. Now, as far as uh, Remedista's work, and, I, and sometimes I like to ask this of, of guests, what's what's a, a few developments that you've, that people have brought to you or have talked about where you'll have to tell them, well, this is something that would be two to five years away versus what you're talking about might be 20 years away. Interestingly enough, when I started this in 2010, I was making bets that technology would break, women leaders would matter, and we'd be global. That was a five-year, you know, that was a five to seven-year plan because that's just happening right now. So um, most of the work that we do when it's about research around finance is envisionary or early adoption, not even early consumer adoption. So we're definitely incubating and thinking about things three to five years out before the market uh, is looking at them at conferences. Most conferences have to focus on educating people. You know, I think their innovation can be early consumer adoption, but definitely not visionary or early adoption because there's really no money in that. There's no guarantee that those things are happening that just that visionaries think they can happen. So that's another interesting thing is we definitely complement conferences ahead of where they can actually think. So so I think you're saying that, that the early consumer adoption would be the better focus business-wise, uh, but in terms of just people just playing around with their imaginations, that's kind of where you get into um, early adoption for businesses, what businesses might be doing. Right. They can't afford to to get too early just because there's no way to monetize that. It's really, you know, just a spark of an idea. So I think that that's a differentiator for us is we're able to um, get it. You know, we have partners that think at that level. It's just not everywhere. I understood. understood. I can see where, where you would have to kind of keep your eye on the ball because, you know, if you go, like I said, if you go too far down the rabbit hole thinking about what could be, you know, you might lose a little time there. <laughs> you all swept up in that. Right. And you also, the rest of the people aren't with you, you know, and you can't move something into adoption until it's there. So there's a cadence of patience coupled with you still want to be first to market. So it's almost a hurry up and wait. Uh, and, and so I think that when you look at visionaries, it's about having a good analyst gut on when the market has the appetite for what we're really talking about. And, um, you know, I think it started with what is mobile, but every year then it's what's mobility. And then, oh, e-commerce is changing. It's more around commerce now. Oh, we're looking at the customer, not the transaction. So now, you know, it's like, what is IoT going to do, you know, as the machine is starting to look a lot different than just a mobile phone and a laptop? You know, our devices on how 
a customer is going to come into the business is going to be almost a million points of entry when we start looking at all the different types of devices that could bring a customer in and move them to a place where they buy something. So the field would be huge in terms of like, like you said, the field would be huge in terms of like points of entry as opposed to. Yeah, they say by 2020, two thirds of those entries and transactions will come from things that aren't here now. I mean, that are a a watch uh, that some of it is here, you know, but when they made this statement, it was a couple of years ago. And most people are thinking, okay, my business is going to maybe move all to mobile. Uh, you know, and, and they're just catching that. Well, surprise, uh, two-thirds is going to be coming through other stuff. And that's where people are like, holy cow, okay, we're moving again. So it's also like don't get too comfortable in how you think the business model is changing. It's, you know, still in its evolution and process. And most people are thinking it's going to be mobile, but it's almost a lot of other things. And that sort of flattens out when you start looking at some of the um, the stats in the market. Wow. So what's one big takeaway that you want our listeners to come away with thinking about Remedista? Well, that if you're looking for, you know, what's to come, that, that what's to come in the future of retail and finance, and you're looking for it to be distilled in a simplified way that um, all of your business can understand, we're a great place to come to for collaboration. There are a lot of different ways for partners to work with us, and really all of that work that we do funds our Women to Watch program that really cultivates women leaders to the next level. So anybody who has interest in, you know, doing business in a retail or finance community, we're a really great partner doing business in a new way. I love I love that answer. <laughs> you covered, you covered, you covered everything. Yeah, you covered everything we've talked about. <laughs> and one more thing that is really interesting is we're doing our third New York in September every year. And uh, we launch an innovation lab, too. We are having our second innovation lab. And what happened was there's all different kinds of cool businesses that we meet along the way that are either innovative in the back end or in the store or with the products they're developing, like wearables or clothing or technology. Um, We started this innovation lab before the award show. And what we're doing now with this year is Um, Let's show all our attendees, let's look at it like a pop-up and show them how you would architect an experience. And for us, it's the innovation lab, but for a retailer, that could be clothing or things or beauty, you know, depending on what they want their pop-up experience to be, but actually show them how to architect it and then, you know, drive them to the experience and through it in a guided way the day of the event Uh, and then sort of educate them on what we're doing. And then following the event, give them the data on what we measured, and they have that real-time experience of being in that lab, having the pop-up experience. And then I think ultimately we want to tie in, you know, look at that crazy innovation, but how do you really tie it into your legacy systems and integrate that on the back end? So we think this really fun lab will be this um, four-part educational series, and what a better way to learn about all of this through hands-on understanding. Now, that's a cool idea, and I, I know that because I'm over here nodding my head as if you <laughs> – I caught myself doing Great. that. <laughs> Great. You know what I mean? When you can tangibly – it's also overwhelming. So if somebody – you could actually say, yeah, I remember doing that, or here's the heat map that happened, or here's the count, or here's the physical things we did, or you know, in showing what you do with that data, I think it'll get more toes in the water for, for trying things. Okay, great. And 
So how would our how do our listeners uh, engage with Remedista? What's the best way to get in contact with you? The best way is to go to our website at remedista.com. But we also have Remedista Women to Watch with a Two that really uh, shows our our three years of that program. And then I would say keep an eye out for Halo as we uh, go to a public launch in Q3, the end of Q3. And that will um, allow more more of your listeners to enter. Like I said, right now it's a closed study, but we're building uh, capital to make that investment. And uh, we already have the programs built and tested and sold. So we'll be sharing that with a larger audience. Okay, great. And and so I just wanted to make sure to have that information there because I'm sure there are people who are who are wondering like what's the best way to get in contact. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, and always willing to talk to people and sometimes, you know, that's there and sometimes it's for down the road, but we help small businesses and we work with enterprise level businesses. So anybody who's looking at the future uh of retail and is really looking forward, you know, we're happy to have conversations with. That's great. Uh well, I want to thank you Kelly for being on the podcast and, and, and giving us your time and expertise today. Thank you so much. I've had a great time. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.